There are still many long and winding roads leading to the greatest stage of them all, WrestleMania, which is going to be another two-night event. We've got Elimination Chamber talk to do, some pretty cool promos, some signings, and yes, we're going to talk some more WCW Nitro from the year 2000. It's the Double Turn Podcast, which starts right now. a wonderful Thursday night here in the Valley of the Sun here on the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast. Boss Ross flying solo tonight. I got the call late from the J-Man. He will not be joining me this evening, although I am very disappointed because I was very much looking forward to once again another hilarious, hilarious time talking WCW Nitro 2000 with him because he had plenty to say. We will have plenty of opportunity to do it. But that being said, I do have a lot to talk about on tonight's show. So again, the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all the rest. Double Turn Podcast on Instagram, one and only JMan19, Ross the Robots85. And then of course, um, it's it, you know, it's it's just one of those things in which, by the way, TDT Wrestling Pod on Twitter is uh, where you can find us as well. Um, Elimination Chamber happened in Saudi Arabia not that long ago, and so we've got to talk fallout from that show, but there is, or there are, some other things that um, I really wanted to address, and um, I know I know Jorge was really excited about some of these things, so hopefully I do it justice tonight, as uh, we kind of had an outline, kind of had a plan for the show. We were going to do a top five. We'll save that for next week. So that'll be a tease for next week. Um, it is raw related. So uh, we'll do that next week as I think we're going to talk AEW revolution next week. Uh, that card is coming together quite nicely, even though, uh, well, AEW is a talk for next week. We'll, I'll save my, I'll save my, uh, commentary of that show for that week. So elimination chamber happened and, uh, well, quite frankly, a lot of things needed to be figured out on that show. Because remember, we have the day one pay-per-view, which I still refuse to call the first event of 2022 because it really should be the Royal Rumble. Um, the events that happened at day one have kind of shaped to where we are now. And I don't know if they completely changed course it's one of those butterfly effects where like you change one thing and everything's different. Um, but because Roman got sick, they had to pivot with Brock and then they pivoted again with Brock and now we're here. So he wins the Royal rumble and then Bobby Lashley beats him, but then they're both in the chamber and Brock wins without Bobby Lashley being eliminated. So, and had we gone over it, I actually would have predicted that the last guy eliminated from the match or one of the last guys eliminated from the match was going to be Austin Theory. That guy's going to get pushed to the moon. Um, do I think he's going to be a world champion soon? I mean, who knows at this point? I mean, some guys get these meteoric pushes out of nowhere and they're just, they just run with it. So who knows? But, um, that was the big takeaway was that uh, Bobby Lashley is injured with a legit shoulder injury. Um, so he was taken out of the match early on. And um, so I don't think he's going to be ready for WrestleMania, but we'll see because you never know with these things. So the plan right now is Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns title for title, which means they are unifying the titles unless they decide to put a third person in the match. So I don't know. 
that, that that's I mean, look, um, you know, they had they had Bianca win the chamber match to face Becky, and they had Alexa Bliss be the last person eliminated in that match. Um, they also had, of course, Becky win her match against Linda. And so, yeah, we get, we get Rhonda and Charlotte and we get Becky and Bianca, which I don't know if that's the plan or if it was the plan originally is what I should say. But I mean, what's, oh, and by the way, here's the thing that's really funny. So Wikipedia has, (laughs) it's so funny. So they've said Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey are going to be on night one. That's what it says on Wikipedia. So I got to believe Charlotte and Ronda's main eventing night one. And then they have nothing in night two. And then they have this other thing called unknown night. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why they don't just have Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns main eventing night two. Like, why would you not just put that? Becky versus Bianca, the Mysterios versus Logan Paul and the Miz. And then uh and then there's Edge, which we'll get to in a second, because I've got a small critique about Edge's promo, even though it was really, really good. But look, you are you are really backing yourself into a corner here because what you're saying is you're either unifying the titles, or you're going to have one guy carrying around two belts. Because, you know, let's have another storyline with one person carrying around two belts for months. Why not? So I have a feeling we're going to get a third person. Now, storyline-wise, it would make sense if it's kayfabe for Bobby Lashley to be in that match. But, I mean, we're playing hot potato with the the raw title, or I should say that would be the WWE title. We're playing hot potato with it. So, I mean, is this the time where you have Roman lose? Are, are, are we sticking with a one-on-one match? Are we going with a triple threat match? Are we going with a fatal four-way? Maybe adding Rollins into the mix because Rollins is kind of in the middle of this too, because he and Brock kind of switched brands for like two months and now they're back to where they were, but now Rollins doesn't have a dance partner right now. So that's an interesting wrinkle that they could go with. But who knows, right? So that's why that's why when I started the show, I said there are a lot of long and winding roads to WrestleMania that still have to be determined. So I'll be interested to see where this goes. Um, because, for instance, if it's a one-on-one match, I can make the argument that Roman should win. I can also make the argument that Brock should win. I should also make the argument that they dug themselves into this position and they need more people in this match to where somebody else could get pinned or somebody else could pin somebody else so that we don't have one person carrying around both world titles. But again, one, one thing Roman couldn't wrestle at day one. One thing changed everything. You know, they were going to do the Paul Heyman turn at day one. They couldn't. They had to do it at the Rumble. So it's all very confusing. Very, very confusing. But as the weeks get closer, because, of course, we're going to talk WrestleMania. I mean, it's not like we're not going to talk about it. But, I mean, this show is on April the 2nd. So this is February 24th when we're recording this show. So let's see. One, two, three, four, five. What are we, five weeks away? Because it's a Saturday. and so, so it's five weeks from Saturday. So you got five weeks to figure it out, right? We talk about timelines and other things, which I won't get into the other timelines that are going on in particularly sports. You know, you got, you got five weeks to get a plan for that plus everything else you know mania is supposed to be the entertainment show of the year for wwe so i mean we're gonna have celebrities we already have logan paul 
You know, we've already got Ronda Rousey coming back. I don't know what else they're going to do other than try to get everybody on the show like they try to do every year, which is annoying, by the way. But who knows? By the way, I hope Mad Cat Moss is okay. He took that spot from uh, Drew McIntyre very poorly. Uh, I hope he's okay. However, I'm strangely looking forward to Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin wrestling each other. Don't ask me why. I just am. Because why not? They're both really good at their jobs. It could be a really good wrestling match. And if neither of them have anything better to do, then why not? Why not? I was always a big fan of the uh, Raw versus SmackDown matches at previous WrestleManias where, like, an upper-tier guy or a low-level main event guy from one brand would face the other one. Remember one year was, uh, what was it, Batista and somebody. And then, there was, and then, of course, there was Battle of the Billionaires, which was Lashley and Umaga. Um, no, but there have been, there have been feuds like that all the time. So I'd be totally fine with, Hey, you two don't have anything to do and you can put together a good match and it'll be good promos. Why not do it? So I'm all for it. Why not? So elimination chamber kind of setting up things here for uh, WrestleMania. I'm all, I mean, I mean, look, that's, that's what this season is supposed to do, right? It's supposed to get you invested in these storylines. I mean, right now, Bianca versus Becky have some unfinished business. That's fine. You know, Ronda and Charlotte, that should be that should be good. Um, again, even if they do Brock versus Roman, I know people are like, oh, they've done it 17. No, they haven't done it a bunch of times. So maybe if this is it, then maybe this is it. If not, who knows? So, and of course, um, the Undertaker is going into the Hall of Fame. That's always fantastic. I presume Vince is going to induct him. Um, I don't know anybody else it could be. Uh, there are rumors that Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to do something at this show. I don't know if it's going to be in a wrestling capacity or if he's going to host or whatever. The two rumors I have heard is that it's going to involve something with Kevin Owens or something with Austin Theory or something with the main event. So I've heard he's going to host. He's going to be the ref for the main event. He's going to do something with Austin Theory. He's going to do something with KO or some combination of the four. That's what I've heard. And I guess there is a possibility he could be the one that inducts The Undertaker into the Hall of Fame. That could happen too. If they can't either get Vince to do it or that's the route they want to take. Who knows? But that is the uh, that is the news from Elimination Chamber going into WrestleMania, which, again, is five weeks away. So before I get to Edge's promo, which I do want to get to, um, PW Insider reported earlier today that Cesaro is no longer with WWE. His contract was up. The WWE did not release him. He has decided to leave the company. So I really don't know what that means. Uh, Braun Strowman, a.k.a. Adam Schur, is totally fine just doing his own thing. And apparently he and EC3 have started some wrestling promotion. Who knows? Maybe Cesaro goes there. Um, I know I know. we talk about this all the time. Um, him going to AEW does not. I mean, look. All AEW does is sign good workers that just get lost. That's all they do. I mean, they just signed Buddy Murphy or Buddy Matthews or whatever his name is. Great worker. Great talent. I have a really bad feeling he's going to get lost. Uh, I think Swerve Scott just got signed by them. Again, good worker. Probably going to get lost. So I defer back to the fact that uh, Cesaro going to impact might not be the worst decision in the world. Don't know if they can afford him. Don't know if they want him. Don't know if he wants it. That would be actually a very, very good fit. I said that about the Iconics or the Inspiration or whatever, that they'd be a great fit for Impact, and so far I've been right. 
So who knows? And you can plug Cesaro wherever you want. He's done everything. You can have him wrestle for the world title, the X Division title, be in a tag team. He's done everything. Ooh, Cesaro versus Moose. Sign me up immediately. My God, amongst other things. Which, by the way, Moose is completely kicking ass as usual. And I know that the, the whole thing because of the forbidden door for the Royal Rumble. Yes, Moose showing up in the Royal Rumble would not have meant a whole lot. I understand that. But I can still appreciate the guy's great work he's doing. The apex of his professional career. I can still appreciate that, right? And plus, the WWE is not for everybody, nor should it be. Nor is AEW. Then there's the whole ROH invasion storyline, which, by the way, the Eddie Edwards turn was actually very well done. It continues that storyline until probably the relaunch of ROH, whatever they're doing. I'm glad the ROH people have somewhere to work. They're actually my biggest thing with that is that, you know, Impact's done this storyline like 17 different times in the history of their company. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Most of the time it drags on for too long. So as long as there's a shelf life to where these guys go away when their company comes back, perfect. And then you can do the either the Edwards Redemption storyline or if he goes to ROH or wherever. So again, as per usual, when I say on this show, as long as there's a plan and you stick to it and it makes sense, I'm probably going to be okay with it unless the idea sucks. And then I'll just criticize you on the idea, but at least you followed through with it. So that's so again, uh, I know I covered a lot of ground there, but um, Cesaro leaving WWE. Interesting. See what happens. Uh, Buddy Murphy, AKA Buddy Matthews and Swerve Scott going to AEW. Great. Two guys that are great workers that are probably going to get lost. And then the Eddie Edwards turn at the pay-per-view against uh, Team Impact, joining Team ROH. Great. All Again, all really well done. And by the way, the W. Morrissey Moose feud had been uh, was, was done really, really well, too. Oh, also, by the way, Josh Alexander is going to be leaving the company. Um, the thought is he's going to go to AEW and go hang out with his buddy Ethan Page again. Uh, I mean... The tag team division's kind of in a weird place in AEW, like a really weird place. Um, I'm not unopposed to it. Um, you know, maybe the WWE is interested. I don't know. They got rid of a lot of people. Maybe they're going to bring some more people in. I don't know. I do know the guy's mega talented. But who knows? So... That was kind of my rapid fire. Uh, that was kind of my rapid fire leading up for that because I have some other things I want to talk about, including that Edge promo. All right, so I'm going to get the positives out of the way because most of it is positive. Will Rush, you're so negative on this show. No, I'm just real, which is what you guys listen to the show for. You don't want me to spew out stuff I don't believe in. So Edge comes out, cuts a promo in the middle of the ring, sitting on a chair. You know, he's really, really happy to be in the ring. Who wouldn't? Look at the journey that he went on. You know, he he was very happy. He was talking about how WrestleMania is in his blood. And he's been, you know, since WrestleMania 14, when he was first around the company, he said his first match was 16 and then the latter match was 17 and then from so on and then he got to the part where it was you know 10 years off and coming back and having the whole feeling and everything like that and then i saw the video with uh tony chimmel on instagram with him doing his rated r superstar it's fantastic edge has always always been good at the very basics of promo cutting he's got the intensity down the cadence down the believability down you know swinging in some reality into the middle of it while still making it a wrestling promo the intensity 
you know, making it relatable while, you know, still being larger than life. I think that's a lost element, by the way. These people are supposed to be larger than life. That's the thing I never understand. Well, I want these people to be just like me. No, I want these people like these people are supposed to be better at what they do than I could ever dream of. That's what I would want my athletes and these and these performers to be. I want them to be larger than life. So here's here's my and and he teased a lot of different things, including Cody Rhodes, amongst other people. It was really, really very well done. Great promo, everything. Here's my critique. Okay. And I'm going to relate back to when John Cena started cutting promos against The Undertaker, and then eventually he, you know, sat in the crowd at WrestleMania and got a three-minute match from The Undertaker, which was great. Fight me. But that was weeks of promos where he was, hey, I want to fight The Undertaker at WrestleMania. And then it was, oh, he didn't respond. Okay, well, maybe I need to make myself more clear. Hey, I really want to fight you at WrestleMania. And then as the weeks went on, Cena just started getting angrier and more frustrated. He's like, dude, I want to face you at WrestleMania. Why are you like disrespecting me and not even giving me an answer? You could just tell me no. You're giving me the silent treatment. What is this? He felt disrespected, not only as a performer, but as a man. So now I flip it back to Edge. First of all, he had to cover a lot of ground, which in theory means he should have been faster or the better idea, which is, okay, you come out, you do, you know, a light promo explaining what you want, explaining, hey, WrestleMania is in my blood. I worked all the way back for 10 years to get back here. I've already been back. I don't have an opponent at WrestleMania. Anybody in the back, you know, come get some. Not the whole John Cena. If you want some, come get some. But like, this is a rated R superstar, right? He almost said, "I'll make you famous," Undertaker style, which actually would have been a which actually would have been a, an interesting little thing to throw in there. Since the Undertaker's retiring, maybe that's his retirement match. That would be interesting. It's like a little nugget. That was a lot of ground to cover, and I felt like it went too long because. I have a better way of doing it. Like I said, you come out the first week, you're excited, you know, you're jonesing for a fight, right? Spoiling for a fight. You want anybody to come out. No response for a week, right? Because the WWE is all about announcing stuff on Twitter these days, right? Oh, Ed chose an opponent for WrestleMania. None of that happens. So they get a backstage interview and they, they come up to Edge and Edge is like, so do I have an opponent yet for WrestleMania? Everybody's like, nah, man. Nobody's even said anything backstage. So I just like, all right, I guess I got to go back out on TV again and cut another promo. So he cuts another promo. He talks about where he came from. WrestleMania 14, tearing the house down at 17 after being there as a performer at 16. And then all the wars and battles he's been with. He's like, look, come fight me, you know, whether it's. A veteran who wants to fight me one more time or, you know, a new guy in the back that wants to make a mark against me or whatever, all this stuff. So you've got weeks to build this up to where finally, eventually he just snaps and basically goes full rated R superstar, you know, goes ballistic, barges in, you know, starts getting in Vince's face and all these people face. I need a match. Not only do I want a match, I need a match. And then. What with that buildup, eventually you get whoever it is. Now, the only problem with my plan is that if you do that, you better have somebody fantastic to face him. This better not be Randy Orton facing him for no reason other than we've got history, man. I got nothing to do. Let's fight again. No. It better not be just somebody that's like, oh, yeah, I got nothing better to do. I'll just fight Edge. There better be a story or it better be something great. Like if you've got Cody Rhodes in your back pocket and that's how you're going to bring Cody Rhodes back for him to face edge WrestleMania. Great. 
tell that story. I don't think Cody Rhodes is coming in until the Monday after WrestleMania. I don't think that's happening until then. But I will tell you that the Edge promo was great. I would have drawn it out a few more weeks. And I really hope they have a good plan for this. I do. I have a bad feeling they don't. But if they do, there's a lot of potential. A lot of potential with what that promo just said. Now, I say all of that to tell you that I thought that the back and forth between Edge and Miz was going to lead into like a great feud, and it it just kind of ended with a dud. So I never claimed to know everything. I just tell it like it is. I actually thought it was really well done and really well set up, and they just decided not to do more with it, I guess because they have this plan, because the Miz is going to be in a tag team match at WrestleMania. And 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 Edge is going to face a mystery opponent. Whatever the case may be. Who knows? Oh, by the way, I forgot to also uh, mention that Lucha Libre Online, which, uh, yeah, they're uh, they're friends of the show. We love them. We follow them. We've we've had them on our show several times, several members of Lucha Libre Online. Not necessarily a talent share, but uh, yeah. We like them. They like us. Uh, apparently, Jeff Hardy is uh, potentially going to AEW after his uh, whole thing with WWE ended. So that is interesting. Um, especially given the fact that Roman wanted to work with him and then every, like all the fallout happened. Very bizarre. But we'll see. Jeff Hardy could be fun could be a disaster who knows who knows um but yeah it it, it, that's that's another one of those oh okay um the other thing i have to talk about before i get into the part of the show i really want to get into um ring of honor was listing their hall of fame or people they're going to put in their hall of fame and of course, the three names everybody was uh, clinging to was Samoa Joe, CM Punk, and Brian Danielson. Which, by the way, is um, it's kind of incredible, actually. Um, and they're going to honor all these guys. And I'm trying to think here. Let me see this for one second. As I bring this up. So, oh yeah, I guess the uh, I guess the Briscoes are also going in. So you've got Brian Danielson, Samoa Joe, CM Punk, and the Briscoes. That is amazing, right there. Uh, Jay Briscoe was the guy who was uh, the ROH World Champion twice. I want to say. Uh, Samoa Joe was their longest reigning champion at 645 days. Uh, Punk was a world champion and a tag team champion. Uh, Brian Danielson was a world champion, a pure champion, and survival of the fittest winner. I also forgot to mention that uh, the Briscoes also were 12-time ROH world tag team champions. The IWDP tag team champions... um, they were also part of the six-man tag team champions. I forget with who. But yeah, that is a star-studded list for Ring of Honor. Again, Brian Danielson, Samoa Joe, CM Punk, and the Briscoes for Ring of Honor. Um, really hope that uh, this promotion gets back on its feet very, very soon. Again, they had to close their doors. Um, they opened their hall of fame in, I believe January. So, I mean, obviously the plan is to bring them back at some point. And most of those guys and gals are working with impact right now. Again, glad they have a place to work and glad they're doing this because that is, uh, look again, they're going to, they're going to still exist and I'm glad they're still going to exist. So this is perfect. It's great to you know honor the guys that helped put you on the map. Those are, I mean, 
Samoa Joe was in Ring of Honor for forever, and then he landed his first big gig with Impact. Uh, CM Punk jumped right to the WWE. Uh, Brian Danielson was all over the place, and then he got his break in WWE. Um, but yeah, I mean, those three guys, amongst many others, by the way, um, helped build ROH into what it was. Good old Ring of Honor. So good for them. All right, so just to be sure, I've covered everything we are going to cover on this show. I covered Elimination Chamber, WrestleMania, um, the ROH Hall of Fame. Like I said, Eddie Edwards turning heel on Team Impact and joining Team ROH. Covered that. Covered the Edge promo. Covered the AEW signings. And we're going to talk Revolution next week. So the only thing I have left to cover is WCW Nitro from the year 2000. And boy, howdy. (laughs) See, for those of you that don't know, my master plan was to get Jorge to watch these shows with me because of, of how ridiculous they are and because he's never watched them and I've watched them several times because I am a glutton of punishment. Plus, I relate it to watching a bad movie and loving it because it's so hilariously bad. And that's, and that's what WCW 2000 is. It really is. So this week, we decided that we were going to cover this week in WCW 2000 history, this week's Nitro, which would have been the February 21st edition of WCW Monday Nitro, which took place at the Arco Arena in Sacramento, California. What a show this was. This, of course, was the Nitro following up on Super Brawl 2000, which took place at the Cow Palace in Daly City, California, which is right outside of San Francisco. Of course, the tagline, a three-way dance for the heavyweight gold because they could not use the term triple threat. So their alternative was three-way dance. My God that show I won't even get into all that happened but basically James Brown showed up because that was the tease for that show because James Brown showed up to uh, hang out with Ernest the Cat Miller that was tremendous but um, the thing the the noticeable things to come from that show that you need to take away from leading into this Nitro is that uh, Booker T lost a match against Big T, formerly known as Ahmed Johnson, who had been hanging around with Booker T's brother, Stevie Ray, and reformed Harlem Heat and called themselves Harlem Heat 2000 as they were hanging out with uh, Jay Biggs at this point. And uh, 4x4 from the No No Limit Soldiers, the real big guy, was hanging out with them too. Cash, I think is what they called him. But uh, yeah. Booker T lost a match. He could not use the T. He couldn't use the Harlem Heat Flames. He he couldn't do anything. So he lost a match to Big T on this pay-per-view. It went five minutes and 23 seconds. So he was known as Booker from here on out. So if you hear me call the artist formerly known as Booker T Booker, that's why. Also, there's another artist on this show that we'll get to. But, um, yeah, Brian Knobs had become the hardcore champion, which I believe he holds until the reboot. And before that, uh, I think three counter Norman Smiley held it, which by the way, they wrestled each other on this pay-per-view. Um, Billy Kidman and Vampiro wrestled on this show that that was a sign of things to come for the next couple of months. Um, Big Vito and Johnny the Bull were still the tag team champions. Ric Flair and Terry Funk had the longest match on the show in a Texas death match because they hated each other. Uh, Hogan and the total package, of course, Lex Luger, were feuding at this time because uh, this was the time when Luger was putting everybody in hand casts 
that was his thing because uh yeah he and sting had a falling out after they'd gotten back together in 1999 and um yeah total package with elizabeth the lovely elizabeth but the main thing to take away from this show was that sid vicious was against the odds facing the chosen one jeff jarrett and Scott Hall in a three-way dance for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Oh, I also forgot to mention that the artist, formerly known as Prince Ikea, defeated Lash LaRue to win the vacant WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Oh, I forgot to mention that Big Vito and Johnny the Bull won a match called a Sicilian Stretcher Match. It's a stretcher match. That's what it was. Then there was that awful leather jacket on a pole match between uh, shoot fighter Tank Abbott and his bodyguard, Big Al. Anyway, I had to say all of that, and I know it was a lot. I had to say all of that to lead up to this edition of WCW Nitro from the year 2000, February 21st. The Arco Arena in Sacramento, California. So Sid Vicious had retained the world title. Um, he had wrestled everyone in the NWO at this point, except for Scott Steiner, who he would wrestle much later in this year in the infamous match where he jumped off the top rope to give a big boot and broke his leg and didn't wrestle again. But at this point, he had already wrestled Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Jeff Jarrett, and both Harris brothers because Bret Hart was hurt by that time. So Sid Vicious basically replacing Goldberg because Goldberg had hurt himself in December. So they put Sid Vicious in this spot. He had finally come out and been triumphant against the other two guys in the NWO. Well, then there was a falling out within the NWO as uh, Hall and Jarrett had some problems which means Nash and Jarrett had some problems. And Nash was still the commissioner. Shortly after this, Jeff Jarrett becomes the commissioner because Nash becomes injured at some point with not only an ankle issue, but amnesia after getting hit in the head with a guitar by Jeff Jarrett on multiple occasions. So Jeff Jarrett and the Harris brothers are going absolutely nuts on this show. They are all over this show. And uh, as Jorge would put it, and I really wish he was here for this part of the show because he would be absolutely taking a dump on this show and I would probably be laughing my ass off because all I would be doing is giving context to his analysis of him seeing it for the first time ever, which is this show was terrible. All right. It, like little of it made sense. Everything was hot shotted. And basically, the explanation I gave him, which is the explanation I'll give you. So at this point, in the early part of 2000, uh, there was turnover that was coming. We are not quite to Bischoff and Russo, but we're close. And they already have the uncensored pay-per-view locked into what they're doing. So they just finished Super Brawl. They know change is coming, but they have to get through this pay-per-view. Which, by the way, notoriously, the uncensored pay-per-view for WCW is dreadful. Dreadful. The 99 had the Junkyard Invitational for the hardcore title in which, like, everybody got hurt. In fact, Finn Finley almost died during that match because he, like, had, like, 80-something stitches because of a gash in his leg. It was, it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. Um... But if we ever talk uncensored or we get close to it, I'm sure we'll have tons of fun with that. But this is that weird period where it's like, okay, Sid Vicious is the champion. We've been building Sid Vicious as the champion, so we're going to keep him as the champion. And we're just going to keep whatever we're doing going. Like, we really have no reason to, you know, just directly change course and do a lot of crazy things because even though we know change is coming, we might as well just have status quo for at least the next month which is essentially what they did on this show. So the first match of the show didn't even take place until like 20 minutes into the show. 
and it was Billy Kidman and Lash LaRue, which immediately got interrupted by the Harris brothers because Jeff Jarrett didn't win the title. So he and the Harris brothers are just going to ruin the whole show. That was the theme of the show. Um, Van Piro and Fit Finley had a three minute match that basically meant nothing because that feud was based on Fit Finley needing Vampiro to respect him and just try to beat respect out of him. And that was a weird feud anyway. Um, Booker then had a match with the Disco Inferno, who was hanging out with the Mama Lukes because he, quote, owed them money. That match was interrupted by the Harris brothers because, you know, why not? Uh, let's see. Prince Iakea and who we thought was Laparka wrestled for the cruiserweight title and ended up being Medusa because that was another theme on this show, which is Medusa's pissed off at Ed Ferrara, who was dressing up exactly like Jim Ross coming out to the Oklahoma fight song and calling himself Oklahoma. So Medusa to get on the show paid Laparka to borrow his suit so she could hide her figure in the suit even though the announcers were like, oh, LaParka's really been doing some chest exercises this week because, you know, it's hard to miss Medusa. Go look up Medusa from the early 2000s. Kind of hard to miss. Um, Prince Iaka won because of, you know, shenanigans and Oklahoma basically, you know, screwing her out of the match and then attacking her post-match. So, again, we're off to a rousing start of a match interrupted by the Harris brothers ending in a no contest, a three minute match that meant nothing, a minute 43 match that ended via DQ. And then a cruiserweight title match that ended via shenanigans. Then we had Dustin Rhodes and Terry Funk versus the Harris brothers, which ended in a no contest. And then saw Dustin Rhodes turn on Terry Funk because well, those guys don't have anything better to do. So why not Dustin Rhodes just turn heel? Why not? Because again, it doesn't change to the, the actual trajectory of anything. It just gives a small little wrinkle for something for them to do for the next month or two. Okay. I can buy that. That's fine. Whatever. The turn made no sense unless you were a fan of wrestling from 20 to 30 years prior, because the roads and the funks have a lot of history. So if you knew that and appreciated that, that would be fine. So like, for instance, if let me try to, let me try to figure this out. So let's say Becky Lynch's kid in 20 years fights Charlotte flair. Would you remember it? Probably not. They'd have to give some context to it, which, of course, at this point, nobody in WCW was giving context to anything, which, by the way, this crew was uh, Shivani, Tanay, and Mark Madden, which that's a whole other issue right there, because, again, they're all really, really good at their job. But this is still like the feeling out process for Madden on Nitro. So there were times when they're kind of all over the place and kind of tripping over each other, even though they're all really good at their jobs. Like Shivani is, of course, the baby face, you know, straightforward play-by-play announcer, which is fine. You have Tanae, who's the encyclopedia, who can give context to anything. And then you have Mark Madden, who's the heel. It makes sense. And eventually they moved to Scott Hudson being in the Tanae spot which Hudson and Shivani kind of tag team off of each other and they make it work. But Mark Madden does a really good job playing the obnoxious, you know, overbearing heel announcer without being annoying. I mean, he gets more annoying as he, as, as we go on, but he was supposed to be an instigator. Like you were supposed to not like him. So he did his job. That's, that's why I, I won't have any problems with those type of, announced teams really working or not like you're never going to have me question that because i know it works because they did it for long enough to where that was not the detriment of the show 
It really wasn't. Oh, let's see. Oh, yeah. So uh, this was during the time when Billy Kidman was walking around with his kid cam. It had been stolen. And uh, they were sneaking up on Buff Bagwell, whose character was he was a womanizer. He was taking the maestro's girlfriend away, Symphony. Buff Bagwell and the maestro had a match that went two minutes. Because, you know, we can't have wrestling on a wrestling show. Look, I am not saying you should have a two-hour program with all wrestling. Okay? There has to be an entertainment value. I understand that. And I'll get to it at the end. And then we had the wall versus Bam Bam Bigelow, which for the four minutes it went was fine. Again, younger guy or a talent you hadn't pushed before you're pushing against an established guy. Could have gone longer than four minutes, but, you know, they had a bunch of other stuff they had to do on this show. And then the main event was uh, Hulk Hogan and the total package. Not Lex Luger, not the total package, Lex Luger, just the total package. So, of course, that match goes nine and a half minutes, but ends in a no contest because of shenanigans. Because when you don't have any good way to book out of anything, just end matches via DQ, no contest or shenanigans. Why not? In, in, in fact, here's a recap of what happened on this show. Kidman and Lash LaRue ended a no contest. Vampiro beat Finn Finley in a match that went three minutes and 17 seconds. Booker beat Disco Inferno via disqualification. Uh, Prince Iakea beat... La Parca, a.k.a. Medusa, in a minute and 20 seconds via shenanigans. Uh, Dustin Rhodes and Terry Funk and the Harris Brothers ended in a no contest. Buff Bagwell beat the Maestro in two minutes. The Wall beat Bam Bam Bigelow in four minutes. And the Hulk Hogan total package match ended in a no contest. This was not a good show. (laughs) Not... Not a good show at all. <laughs> and Jorge made the point, and I will echo this, amongst other things of this being an absolutely craptastic show on so many levels. Um, this was the Nitro after a pay-per-view. A pay-per-view that was well-advertised, well-attended, and people looked forward to. So, Yeah. By the way, the next week's show is uh, at the Target Center in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. So we get to talk about it. I'll be very interested to see as I'm looking at the card right now. I already see absolute hilariousness on this show. I kind of hope we get to cover it because actually that's a very important show. Interesting. I may have to coax. I may have to coax. J-Man into covering it with me next week. I may have to do that. But that was WCW Nitro. Again, I equate it to the fact that it's like a bad movie. It's like a car wreck. Okay? Like, you... Okay, I, I shouldn't say a car wreck is entertaining to watch. A bad movie that has redeeming qualities. Some people can get behind. Like, there are bad horror movies people watch every year. There are bad movies that have redeeming qualities that people love, including myself. That's what WCW Nitro is to me from the year 2000. It's just so bad. It's hilarious. And I love rewatching it. So I'm glad I get to do this with you guys every week, or at least hopefully every week. There've been some weeks that have been either been skipped or possibly forgotten by my co-host. But um, yeah, just again, I find joy in them, and I find joy in the fact that I'm having somebody watch them for the very, very first time, and now he can sort of see the insanity that is the stuff that I reference on this show all the time. So uh, for those of you that that you know want to go back and rewatch them, do it. It's Look, if you're a wrestling fan, you're going to consume wrestling. Like, 
if you're not doing anything, just just go check out a Nitro from the year 2000, like early on, since that's what we're talking about right now. You'll see how craptastic and hilarious it is. Jorge even told me, he's like, I will never complain about WWE ever again. I'm like, yes, you will. You will. There'll be another hell in a cell that ends in a no contest that you'll just be so terrified of that you'll go back and watch one of these and be like, yeah, this is way more enjoyable because even though it sucks, I can laugh at it. There's stuff that WWE has done that you can't even laugh at. You just, you just can't. So (laughs) it's, it's, it's remarkable. So, um, I don't have really much else to say this week, folks. I know that, uh, we're going to do a top five. We'll do that next week. We're going to talk AEW revolution next week, or at least that's the plan. And, uh, WrestleMania is five weeks away everybody and i really wish there were happy things to talk about um in you know the world or life or anything else you know but i mean there's just so much bad news out there that hopefully you came and checked out this show and got a little bit of laughter out of the fact that i love the insanity that is wcw nitro 2000 in a random february show which I've been told all the episodes are up on Peacock again, so I may have to go and rewatch them again, even though I missed the network. But those people that were complaining about the WWE network, shame on you. The WWE network was way better than this Peacock nonsense. Way better. Fight me. So, so that's going to do it for me here on the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast again, like I said before, and I will say again. We're going to talk uh, top five. It's going to be raw related, but we'll give you more details next week. Pretty sure we're going to talk AEW revolution. If there's any more uh, progress on signings or anything else interesting that happens this week, of course, we will talk about it. And if there's any updates for WrestleMania or anything else that is going on. So. That is going to do it. Uh, again, the Double Turn Podcast on Instagram, Ross the Real Boss 85, the one and only J-Man 19. You can find this show and every other show, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all the rest. TDT Wrestling Pod on Twitter. Come check us out there. So I am Boss Ross flying solo. We will catch you, or I will catch you, on the flip side. 